Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome back to 786 Boulevard. We are back after a long hiatus, parked as usual at the intersection of culture and spirituality, a place where Muslims discuss film, art, fashion and faith. This is episode 44, AJ Plus, Chasing Dreams and the Filmmaking Grind with Director of Photography, Ahmed Assad. The biggest thing that has like I attribute most to Islam is Patience. Being on set is a very, very hectic environment. Through and through, Islam teaches us uh, to be patient. You know, in our day-to-day -day lives, we stop and we pray five times a day. That's like literally taking a pause. Ahmed Assad is an incredibly talented cinematographer and editor. Hailing from Texas originally and currently residing in DC, he works behind the scenes at AJ+, currently shooting and editing the Backspace series, presented by Sana Saeed and produced by Sana and Nick Garbati. He also uses his talents to elevate various short films and music videos, both for clients and as passion projects. In this episode with Ahmed, we'll be discussing some of the grind that goes into AJ+, the balancing act between dream chasing and living in the moment and the grind of filmmaking. So before we start, you're actually going to hear half of the conversation. Funnily enough, the first half of the conversation, we discussed in a bit of detail uh, things that go wrong in filmmaking and ironically that's exactly what happened because zoom crashed on us halfway through and unbeknownst to myself unfortunately it did not save which is a learning curve always have a backup always always have a backup i should know that by now um, but inshallah you're gonna hear the second half of the conversation which was undoubtedly the best half uh, inshallah and i really hope you do enjoy it thank you so much again ahmed for taking from your time uh, and yeah let's get started bismillah so aj plus um you know uh it, what I'm interested to know about um, this platform that we all kind of grew up with um, in the social media age um, is the kind of behind the scenes uh, work ethic. Because I feel like, you know, it's funny because you don't know how much work goes into something that you're going to consume in five, 10 minutes. Um, you know, I mean, I think one time, uh, even those like short news stories, I'm, I'm not sure if you're involved in them or not, those short news stories that they do with one or two minute ones. Um, yeah. they, at one point, they'll put credits on them and it was like, 25 names like wow all this work went into so like 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 two minutes so tell us a bit about like the work ethic behind aj plus uh the workflow and where you kind of fit in uh to the work that you do as well specifically yeah so aj plus yeah so i i do think that aj plus was the first to sort of make those like one minute bite-sized things before other organizations kind of got a hold of it um so that used to be like the main sort of work that aj plus did um and pretty much everyone that was on aj uh, was on board with that. So that's probably why you saw like lots of credits. Uh, but over time, AJ plus started to sort of venture out into documentaries. Like now we have a field team. Um, they go shoot like 10, 15 minute documentaries about specific stories and, and documentary series. We also have a, a studios, uh, branch and we do like, uh, just recurring shows. I'm, I'm in the studios team, uh, now, but I've kind of hopped around. When I started, I used to work on those one minute videos and those are, those are wild because <laughs> like it, it matters like down to like the, the word. I mean, we have like, it's, it's a, it's a big team. Like there's, there are, uh, associate producers, producers, editors, uh, shooters. There's a copywriting team. There's a fact-checking team. Like there's, uh, there are a bunch of EPs that can EP like specific things. So it goes down the line through everybody like a one minute video will, will touch everyone. Um, so it's cool. Cause the thing is, the thing with AJ plus that I, that I really, really like is, uh, 
like the work that we do uh, is very important work because we are usually telling stories that other news organizations are scared to tell. Like we'll usually say the stuff that no one else will say. And everyone that works there has that in mind, right? And so everyone tries their best at whatever they're doing because uh, we know that we're usually the odd one out, right? And as the odd one out, like we want to be as good as we possibly can. And we want to uh, just make our, our craft just as good, if not better than the others. So the work that I'm doing right now at AJ Plus, uh, I'm uh, on a studio show. Uh, it's called Backspace and it's hosted by Sena Saeed. Um, so it's, I mean, we're a team of three. So it's Sena, uh, the um, producer, Nick uh, and I. So I handle the pretty much all of the creative in the show. So we built uh, a set in our studio from scratch. Like we literally went to Home Depot. I, and... I, I saw you behind the scenes. It was, it was really fun. Yeah, it was like <laughs> for AJ Plus, like we, we had never really done anything like that. So I'm like, they're like, okay, you have X amount of budget. I'm like, all right, let's go to Home Depot and just buy like 42 by fours. And they're like, why are you, what, what are you doing? Um, so yeah, so we built like the whole set and that was, that was a really, really cool process because we built it uh, with her character in mind for the show. Mm. And this is also something that I think is new to AJ plus of like just building things from the ground up because it's, it's inherently a documentary news organization. Right. So uh, bringing this kind of like pretty much all of the, the stuff that I learned as a DP on the side into AJ plus has been really, really cool because we do have a studio, we do have lights, we do have some sense of a, a budget to create things. Right. Um, and so that's the show that I work on. We actually, we have a live lighting change in the middle of the show that's on camera. Um, so the show is about uh, essentially how uh, other media has told specific stories. Uh, like for example, like how the media talks about Palestine. If you look at all of the articles, if when there are bombings in Gaza, like Palestinian kids die, like kids don't just die, they, they're murdered. Um, so we look at all that, we compare uh, lots of different ways that uh, other media has compared us, uh, talked about a specific topic. Uh, and then in the second half, we talk about how it could have been told better. So it's kind of like a solution oriented show, mm -hmm. as opposed to just talking like, oh, you guys did it wrong. It's like, y'all did it wrong. This is how it could have been done better. Uh, and so we go from night in her like living room environment to the daytime as she's starting to explain how we could have done it better. Uh, so that was like a cool uh, little challenge. It's like it's it's the little things that like keep me creatively fulfilled there. Um, so, yeah, Asia Plus is awesome. I love the work that we do. It's funny. I was, I was laughing uh, when you were talking about the, the, the process behind uh, those one minute videos, because I remember when I was working at the Muslim Vibe, uh, uh, when I first joined them, uh, my whole pitch to them was, let me, let me try and make it guys like AJ+, Plus, right? So what I was doing for them in my, in my first year was I was doing those one-minute videos. Uh, that's writing, scripting, editing After Effects, releasing them on social media with the, with the, social, with the social media. And I was doing those 15-minute documentaries myself. And I was doing article editing. I was doing literally everything. Oh, yeah. And I think Even that literally... <laughs> oh, that that literally is the 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 the, the kind of uh, metaphor for the difference between 
uh, Muslim organizations and, uh, you know, professional. I, I think, honestly, I, th- I think it comes down to, it might come down to a few things, but I think budget is, is, is definitely one of the kind of things that comes down to, uh, you know very well that in this industry, money is everything. Someone gives you uh, $10,000 uh, to uh, to uh, create a, a set for them uh, versus $200 and a, a $5 gift card from Home Depot. <laughs> you know, you're going to, uh, you're going to create, you're going to create something good for them, right? Of course, uh, I'm, I'm sure you are. Um, and I think that that's what's interesting. And I'm, I'm also interested to find out just briefly, uh, I feel like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like AJ Plus has moved on from uh, quantity to quality. So I feel like you're more focused now on on specific, like you said, like one show, uh, as opposed to just churning out uh, content. Is is that am I wrong in thinking that, or what's the story in that kind of evolution? No, no, you're right. We've definitely uh, been honing in over the years and just trying to make uh, content that uh, is like easier to digest, but also mo- more interesting. Um, and that that goes like on all the facets. So like not just the way that we film something, even like the way that the um, the uh, editorial team will approach a project. They're like, okay, we could do it like this and we could just keep churning out these stories or we can kind of hone in and be like, okay, this is the reason that we're doing this. And it's just going to be a, a three-part series instead of like 10 short videos. Um, so there's, there's a lot of that going on. Um, there are some really, really smart people that work at AJ plus and they're always constantly trying to, to hone in. All right. Hasnain, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I have, I mean, I have a bunch of questions, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to stick to the whole quality aspect of, of your work. Um, being a DP and a cinematographer, um, you know, one thing that's, you know, we, we spoke about, you know, in the past several minutes was quality and budgeting, right? So, <clears throat> Obviously, we all start from the bottom. I mean, your first DP cinematography project was probably not what it's compared to today. So, you know, like, I guess I guess where I'm trying to go with this is like from your beginnings, you know, low budget, you know, with limited uh, team and, and, and whatnot to something like So Sorry, which, you know, I saw on your on your website, which is a phenomenally well done music video animations and whatnot. When it comes to budgeting aspect, you know, what advice would you give somebody who, like myself, for example, right? So because I self-budget and self-fund all my films, I don't have that big budget. But then how do I get the best quality for my film, right? So somebody who's seen it all, you know, for, you know, what advice would you give somebody like myself? So that's kind of the question number one. And question number two is making of so sorry like what went into that animation like how like because because people don't understand behind the scenes how much effort how much time it is to make something five minutes actually takes like four days to like film you know <laughs> you know it's just cutting it down and people don't understand that uh you know a lot of my friends are like oh like you know i, I love i like a 10 minute film how long did it take you and i tell them like, it took like three days to film like really for 10 minutes i'm like you have no idea so basically that's that's the first aspect is you know what advice would you give somebody who's working on a low budget film to have the best quality out there? Um, and then qual- and then question number two is, you know, when you get to a stage where you're making something like So Sorry, which is probably a big budget, you know, music video, or so it seems, you know, what went into, into making that? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't even work with massive budgets these days. Like I, most of the, the work that, 
people see most of the work that like I have filtered and filtered and filtered. And right. then I'm like, okay, this is what people see. Most of that, to be honest, I like did not get paid for and we didn't have any budget for it. Right. Um, Cause that's just like you, you, you put your best foot forward and, and you show people the world, like the work that you like to do. Um, and it just so happens that like the coolest work is doesn't pay all too well. Um, right. But the, to answer your question about how to get the best quality and like the, the like smaller budgets, uh, it's all about knowing the limitations of your budget and working around that, knowing what access to gear you have, writing around that. Like you're not going to write, you know, a story a story that starts with a massive crane shot if you don't have access to a crane, yeah. um, or like a crazy lighting setup if you don't have access to that. So it's all about like first like understanding like your own limitations, but also um, like from just like a cinematography perspective, understanding like having a very, very, very deep understanding of light can drastically change your production. Um, It's only like after you learn about lighting that you realize that cameras don't matter Um, because you can like if you're filming something outdoors, there's like a specific time in the day in a specific location, facing a specific way. Like it's, it's very like formulaic cinematography in general is very formulaic. So kind of learning like that process and like the framework of what makes a good image, uh, can lead you to create very, very good looking shots with no budget. Um, you know, where the windows are in a room, which direction you should face facing the corner will always get you the most depth, uh, reverse side key, you know, far side keying or it's going to get you like that really nice uh, depth in the face because you've got like the shadow nearest the camera. Uh, there are all of like those those little things like that would that'll um, just like enhance your project and I think just make you a better filmmaker. Um, and also just working with people that are down to learn as well because mm. you're, you're learning, you're screwing things up, other people are too. Um, but it's like this giant machine that is just like constantly getting better. Like, especially like when you're doing it with your friends, like I make a lot of stuff with my friends and, you know, we do it all for free because we love doing it together. Um, It's passion. Yeah. It's, it's passion, man. It's like just trying things out and like, I don't know, everyone, everyone's trying their best. And that's, I think that's how like those, like the circles in Hollywood of the people that always work together. I think that's like, how it's created. Um, right. Like you don't get into that. You just, it happens. Like it's like us in 20 years, 30 years, you know, hopefully, inshallah. I'm trying to be on the yacht in 20 years. I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> That's the move. Yeah. So talk to us about So Sorry, the animation, like how, like what went into that? Because if, if, if the audience is listening and you haven't seen it, you should go on the website and see it. It's actually very phenomenally well, well done. So kudos to you for that. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was uh, that was a that was a very very big passion project. That's like the piece of work that I'm most proud of, uh, I would say, and I like I enjoyed the most and and working on it. Um, so I made that in Unreal Engine, which is just like a 3D software. It's it's used to make video games. So they made Fortnite in Unreal Engine, um, but these days it's it's kind of like merging into film and television because. There's like the Mandalorian, you've got the LED walls in the background and it's being used to project that. Um, But I made So Sorry um, on like a decent computer and most of those assets are free. 
So I probably spent like a hundred dollars total and like wow. make and making it. Um, but it just required Love time. so much, so much time. Yeah. <laughs> so people much don't time. understand, you know, it's, it's the time that it takes to make something. Yeah. It's, so it took me six months to make that, um, working pretty much every day. If I had to average it out, like with traveling and holidays and stuff like that, I probably worked on it five days a week for six months straight. And this is like wow. after work, I would stop working at like 6 p.m. And then I would take a little break and get started on that at seven. And I wouldn't sleep till like one or two every wow. single day. And it's just like this slow burn. And most of the time, you don't even want to work on it. <laughs> like most of the time, you're not feeling yeah. feeling up to it. But it's like just getting past that and just doing it anyways. Um, but that was like uh, so... I did everything in that project except for create the actual models, like the model of the character, the model of the trees and the grass. Um, so all of the, the camera work, it happens in the 3D space. So it functions the same way that a real camera would. Uh, same goes for lighting. And so, um, I don't know, I found it to be extremely fulfilling animation in general because you're kind of given um, like a you can do whatever you want and that's like a good thing but also a very bad thing uh because you can very easily kind of go off the rails right you have to you, you have to really like hone in um on what you want to do uh and it teaches you a lot about filmmaking in the sense of like when you put two shots together just because they look cool that's not the you yeah. know that's wrong answer okay let's mm -hmm. find like what does work um so there's there's definitely a lot of that um but yeah no I, I i love that project and that was an unofficial music video uh i did it because i liked the song and i had the idea for the song and uh i just like i was not getting the opportunities to make something like that whether it be in live yeah. action or animation um so i just did it but that wasn't my first animated project uh that might like seem kind of misleading being like how do you just start and like do that like i had one before that um it's unreleased, but it's an it's an official music video, um, and that's with uh, Talib Kweli featuring Busta Rhymes. Oh, nice! Yeah. Wow, well done. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. I can send it to y'all like in private, but it's not. Uh, it's just it not. Get, yeah, please send it to it me. Might, it might it might get leaked on Seventy Six Boulevard. Just saying, you know, if it does. <laughs> okay, may, maybe oh. I can't send it to y'all. <laughs> I actually don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but that was that was cool because I had like lots of mentorship because uh, I didn't do everything in that one. I was just a cinematographer in that one. And so That's there right. was like a full animation team that works in the industry. Um, so it was like a lot of learning their lingo and a lot of like Googling things right after they say it and writing things down, like random words. I'm like, dude, what, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, one thing I want to touch a point you said earlier, which I, I missed, I want to speak about before. Hasnan, you can jump on after this again. Um, but it's a really uh, beautiful point about understanding your budget and working to that budget. One thing, I, one film I always go back to, and one of my favorite lessons in, in filmmaking life is Jaws. I think we all know the story of Jaws, uh, is that they turned up on set, they wanted to start shooting the film, and the shark wasn't there. It was, wasn't working or something. They couldn't use the shark. So what did Spielberg do? He said, okay, instead of using the shark, we're going to get the camera in the water and we're going to uh, uh, do everything without seeing the actual shark. So in the final film, the actual shark uh, of 
Jaws, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the feature character, you barely see him, but because of the camera tricks and you know, the way it's positioned, stuff like that, you're given a sense of it being there. And I think that is the biggest lesson that I've like taken on in, 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 in filmmaking is that appreciating your budget and understanding that it can be freeing uh, to not show things. It can be freeing to be limited as opposed to having every opportunity. You know, I always love uh, thinking about insinuation in filmmaking it, it, it's the most important tool i think every filmmaker should use you can shoot a whole film uh in a room you know and and and, and make it claustrophobic and tense as opposed to having the whole city to work with you know i think that's a really important lesson that, that people should really uh, pick up on i feel like something that you know kind of extends uh to every uh aspect of life you know in, in, in life you want to understand uh the tools you have at your disposal um the path you're to be led on uh, and you're 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 really meant to understand that and 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 walk on that part. Maybe maybe, maybe we went too deep with that point, but I just thought it was a interesting uh, philosophical uh, perspective. Hasnain, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think you know what people need to understand is like we can make like like for example, like you can make ten films, nine of them are going to be failures, but all we need is just that one film to just like give us that passion, right? So. You know, where you are today and like you mentioned, like you like what you're showing on your website, what you're showing in regards to like your reels and your, and your product is is very selective of what you want to show. But people don't see behind the scenes of like all the failures that we had, like including myself, including Nuri, right? We had like so many failures where, I mean, I was to the point where I'm just gonna, I was like, I can't do something. I'm going to quit. I'm going to just work finance and retire with like my 401k and whatnot, you know? But, you know, the, the passion and seeing people like yourself, you know, I'm like being passionate, seeing Nuri like hustling to like film, like it gets my passion going too. And where we are today, you know, I guess my question to you is where you are today, what's one advice you would have given your younger self when you first started doing this, you know, where you are today, knowing that you went through all that failures, you went through everything you've been to. What's one advice you would give yourself five years ago, 10 years ago? Um, I think like the thing that really grounded uh, like my myself and and like made sure that I didn't completely overstress um, entirely was actually just the concept of like the whole idea of like we plan and we plan, but Allah is the best of planners. Mm. Just the fact that like everything is written and what you know if if something bad happens, it's usually for a reason. Like there's a lesson to be learned. Um, or it'll just like it just changes you as a person and it like allows you to to develop further. Um, so I learned that like a few years in. Um, I think my first few years were were definitely more rough in that sense of like lots of being hard on myself, uh, lots of uh, like just overly just like thinking about imposter syndrome to the point where like I would not work because I was like who do I think I am, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's just like the thing that shifted the way that I work. Um, and I like, I, I wish I knew that. And when I first started, but I also think that like people should just go through and learn those things um, organically. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, every, like there's a lot of people that would love to be in this industry that don't love like the journey of the industry which I mean, that's just like, you got to be scrappy with it. Like you got to be willing to uh, do what it takes. 
at the end of the day, we're just playing make-believe and we get paid for it. And that's like, it's, it's very cool and it's very fun and it's very interesting, but like, I don't know, you, you gotta like push through and, and take your time. And like, at this point, like I couldn't even tell you where I want to be in five years. Like I've right. lost any sort of like, like goals was, are, are no more. That, that was going to be my next question. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I don't even have like yearly goals. I don't have like five-year goals. I don't have decade goals because it's just like, you just, you keep doing it. I'm, I'm at a point right now where I'm like, I enjoy the process of like working towards being a better filmmaker. And like, it doesn't really matter to me, you know, what I'm filming. If, you know, if I don't film a feature film in the next five years, I'm not going to be super sad because I'll be learning something. Hopefully in five years, I'll be better than I am today. Um, so I think that's all that really matters. I would love to shoot a feature film in the next five years, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you, you have no control over it. So why stress, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you have five years to write a feature film, bro. Hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, um, you know, uh, over the course of the podcast, we've been, we've been uh, following that, my, my, my failing screenwriting career, uh, as, as, as I've been wanting to write a screenplay for, for, for the longest time. And you, you know what it is? I think uh, it's funny you mention that because even with me recently, I'm just like, look, like there's no rush. You're not in a race, you know, there's no, uh, you have to make this by next year. You have to be here by, by, by three years, by four years. I, I think it's, it's a good um, mentality to have where you're kind of content where you are. You have the drive to go further, but you're going to use the opportunities that are given to you by God and utilize those opportunities to go further rather than, you know, uh, you being so arrogant to think that you know what's best for yourself. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm so grateful that, you know, I haven't gotten certain work till today because if i had shot certain stuff uh five years ago it would have been horrible and you know and and and, and the same rule goes for five years from now and ten years from now um so i think that just having that kind of you know um like you said enjoying the journey i, I feel like when you have a it's funny because this industry is one of dreamers you know everyone who's in this industry wants to be an actor in hollywood or they want to be a, a filmmaker they want to direct a, a feature film or film a, or film a feature film it's it, it's almost Everyone tells you it's attainable, it's possible, and it is, but it's also very unattainable. It's such a, such a, such a, such a, such a stretch, you know? I'm sure, you know, we'll get there, you'll get there, inshallah, but it, it's funny because it can make you forget to enjoy the moment now when you're shooting a commercial in D.C., when I'm shooting something in Michigan, has to be shooting something in New York. You know, you can kind of, uh, the, 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 the lust and the hunger for that Oscar or Golden Globe um, shouldn't override your enjoyment of what's happening today and your understanding of you, the steps you're taking now will get you there, wherever there is, if that makes sense. Um, I think that's a, a kind of good uh, uh, point to, to kind of keep in mind. Um, winding down, uh, Ahmed, we have this uh, kind of question for, for everyone that we bring on our podcast. This whole podcast really is about the relationship between art and spirituality. Um, I feel like spirituality means different things to different people. Um, but I'm interested to know, um, you've told us a lot about your grind and your work ethic. Uh, what kind of role does your spirituality, whatever that means to you, play in your day-to-day -day, uh, working life, in your creativity when it comes to filmmaking? A hard question. 
That's a tough one. Yeah. I had a, I had a feeling you'd ask it though. <laughs> ask it, <bro. laughs> um, so I, I used to, I used to like relate them a lot more one-to-one back when I was working at like faith-based organizations of, yeah, you know, film is my Islam and Islam is my film. And it's very much like that sort of sense. But I think over time, as I've matured as a filmmaker, um, I think like the root of it is like, I just enjoy doing it and that's why I do it. Um, and Islam and spirituality come in through like tertiary means. So there's like the moral, like morality or sorry, morals that come with, uh, being a Muslim that you bring on set. Uh, there's a certain ethic that you bring. There's a way to treat people. Uh, the biggest thing that has like, I attribute most to Islam is patience. Mm. Um, So like, as you both know, like being on set is a very, very hectic environment. And I think through and through Islam teaches us uh, to be patient, you know, in our day-to-day lives, we, we stop and we pray five times a day. That's like literally taking a pause. Um, so I think that has helped uh, immensely in, in filmmaking. And those are like the, the parts of Islam that I, I think about and that I pull uh, into filmmaking. Um, And I enjoy it. And it, it goes back to being like a filmmaker that is Muslim, you know, like I don't think representation stops, you know, in front of the camera. I think representation behind the camera is just as important because um, we're the creators of the stories. And uh, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Ahmed, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, if yeah, anyone wants so to much, reach out to you, uh, find your work, uh, where can they get contact? Uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's Ahmed Asad 04. Uh, pretty much everything is Ahmed Asad 04. Uh, and then on my website. Nice one, Ahmed. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank so. you. Thank you. Thank you, Ahmed, for that wonderful, wonderful, insightful conversation. Uh, if you haven't seen his work, I really recommend you go to his Instagram and check out his website. He's very, very talented, uh, mashallah, and I can't wait to see where the world takes him inshallah thanks for sticking around till the end uh kind of reminder for you those of you who are still here to follow us on every platform we are on apple Podcasts, we are on spotify we are on anchor and we are also on youtube do leave us a five star review on apple Podcasts. it really does help out the channel and hopefully inshallah we're back in the grind uh, recording more episodes and sharing more episodes next week we'll be sharing an episode with my good friend the famous tahra adil another poet uh, much more famous than me and much more talented Uh, it's a good conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, we go into a lot of detail in regards to the craft and the challenges that come with the craft. So inshallah, it should be fun. And we have many, many more conversations coming up. We are here to stay this time. Hopefully, inshallah, every Sunday, we'll be back with a new episode here on 786 Boulevard. So be sure to follow us. Be sure to share this episode and this podcast with your friends. And inshallah, we'll see you here again next Sunday or in the far future, wherever uh, the time is that you are listening to this. You could be looking back at this uh, moment that I'm recording this and thinking, you know what, it's been years. Uh, why does he sound so young? But here we are. All right, guys, take care. And inshallah, see you again uh, with future episodes. Take care, bye.